Welcome aboard the USS Aeronome. To become a member of our crew, please visit perfectorganism.com slash support. As a patron of Perfect Organism, you'll receive exclusive perks and early access to content. Incoming audio transmission received. Please proceed to Subdeck 3 to begin playback. Thank you, and welcome aboard. Allow me then a moment to consider. You seek your creator. I am looking at mine. I will serve you, yet you are human. You will die. I will not. Please hurry, there's something on board, please. Ferris, go again, you're breaking up. Lander one, repeat, I can't. My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. Look on my works, you mighty, and despair. Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I am your host, Jamie Prater, and I'm joined by my co-host. Patrick Green, coming to you live, hot off of a stomach virus, which is uh, now making its way around our family. So not on my best today, but I'm very excited to be here and have a functioning microphone again. Yes, yes. Welcome. Welcome back yeah, to thank the 21st you. century. <laughs> so I'm going to hand it to you to tell, to tell the audience or the listening audience what we're here to discuss today. Yeah, sure. So, you know, as we're making our way through this Covenant series, uh, one of the friends that I have who I know thinks very deeply about Covenant and with whom I've had many offline conversations about it is Aaron Percival, who is here today. Uh, and I'll let him introduce himself and say hi. He's been on the show many times. But uh, Aaron is uh, has a lot of great things to say about Covenant. And so we figured this is a good opportunity to have him on it, do a little kind of three-way episode, and then talk in the context of this specifically not only about larger themes of covenant and what Scott was getting at with it, but about this period of covenant that's becoming a little bit lost to history, which is funny because it's only a few years ago. But you know, after Prometheus came out, Scott was all over the you know inter- the news media doing interviews with Deadline and elsewhere, talking about his plans for the rest of the series. And I remember, and I'm sure many of you listening to this remember this period well because there were all these plans for three, four, five new films coming out. And he was talking about all of these themes that were very engineer heavy that he wanted to to dive into and then the the nature of these interviews started shifting around you know 20 late 2015 into 2016 and he started talking more about you know this how the way that fans reacted to prometheus made him rethink things and this is when we start hearing about the earliest production details of covenant coming out so what i think would be fun to unpack today in addition to a more kind of general conversation about covenant is that period before production started and before pre-production really started where the ideas that would become Alien Covenant started to coalesce and how they were influenced by Prometheus and the way it was received both within fandom and also within the sci-fi going public at large. But before we get to all that, Mr. Aaron Percival, how you doing? Hello, everybody. I am... I'm good, thank you. Like I was just saying off the air, Patrick isn't the only one that's been uh, ill lately, so I'm, I'm sympathizing over there. 
back to back colds over here. Uh, but yeah, in general, plodding along as as well as everybody else, and probably a good topic for you to to drag me into as well. You know how much I enjoy my movie archaeology and that kind of thing, and and the development. Uh, the early days of development of these films as well. So, uh, yeah, you know, good choice. Good choice on this one. And more than an hour's notice. So, Patrick, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it, it, most of his appearances, at least since I've been on, have been well, with about seven minutes to go before recording. I'm like, Aaron, hop on the show. So, yeah, we had like a whole two weeks to plan this thing out, which was pretty great. I actually got a chance to read through um, through some of the news uh, archives as well and have a read through some of the scripts. So I, I do actually have a notes document up, which I don't always I don't always do. I'm normally on the fly on, a, on, on my show, actually. I do the prep, but then I fly it from the memory. But no, this yeah. time you've got notes. we got actual citations. Hey, before we go into it, actually, you're mentioning your other show. If people don't already listen to that, they, they should. But do you want to plug it quickly? Yes, yeah, sure. So um, if you don't know me, uh, my other alias online is Corporal Hicks, and I co-run Alien vs. Predator Galaxy, uh, avpgalaxy.net, uh, pretty much the oldest um, and largest uh, old-school fandom website that's still around, thank God. And uh, we also have our own podcast show, which is the Alien vs. Predator Galaxy podcast. Don't let the title fool you. It is a lot of everything, Alien, Predator, Alien vs. Predator. Mostly Alien, to be honest, because... That's where most of the um, most of the material is. Let's Not for long. What you, you mean in the, terms of prey? No, in terms of yeah, coming out. Yeah. Well, I, I just mean in general. I mean in general because I always sort of you can't see it right now because the um, the covenant prints up there, but you can just look at the comics and the omnibus and aliens there at six, predators there at four, and AVPs there at two. So it's like yeah, alien, <laughs> aliens got the most most stuff. But yeah, right. so a bit, of, a bit of everything. I always said if I could rebrand, I'd call it Alien and Predator. But no, it's wow. a bit of everything. Uh, how much of it is dedicated to the galaxy part? <laughs> well, <laughs> all of it, we're all... Uh, what, what is it as Star Wars has in Guardians of the Galaxy? I'm one of the idiots that lives in this galaxy. So everything in the... Um, you know, it's all in the same galaxy, Patrick. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, so, so before we get into sort of the, the meat of the discussion tonight, Aaron, do you want to kind of give us like some of your high level thoughts and feelings on Covenant and we can kind of go from there? It, I'll start with this because it always makes me and um, Adam, uh, Richtop, my co-host, laugh. I really like Alien Covenant apart from the alien parts. <laughs> So it's it's an alien film I love apart from the aliens inclusion in it, and um, that's that's pretty much my takeaway from it because I absolutely love. I mean, I mean, I know um, Jamie. I know you don't like it when David shows up, um, and I'm still with it at that point. So pretty much all the way through Covenant up to the aliens introduction, I am on board with that film. I love it. It is a take two on John Spates's alien engineers. As far as I'm concerned, you know, a lot of the themes that were there in his original drafts uh, that we've seen, and there's only two of them out there, but the, the ones we've seen, you know, Covenant was a retake on what he was doing. And I know a lot of people, a lot of alien fans, myself included, prefer Spates's earlier versions. So for me, that, that was a win with Covenant and, 
thematically there's a lot going on there as well that I really like. I really love this um, sexual frustration that David goes through, you know, this um, inability to, to procreate. And I think thematically, even as much as I hate the alien inclusion in the film, it all works and makes sense in terms of what Scott's doing in the film as much as I hate the lore implications and, and the franchise implications and all that stuff. Um, but it works on that level. And I, there's a lot in Covenant that I do really enjoy, you know, design wise as well. Jack Kurzel's score is my second favorite of the series. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot in there. Over that Alien I enjoy. 3? No, below Alien 3. Oh, okay. <laughs> second favorite. Second. Okay. I'm thinking Aliens are first. All right, no, 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 no. Alien 3. Um, Covenant Alien Alien Resurrection although I did, even that even with Resurrection down there you know as a score Resurrection's score is actually quite nice there's some good stuff in there particularly the theme I think um, I love the theme to the Resurrection titles. yeah yeah I've tried the to get him on the show before. We need to, we need to get him on for it. We could re- do a, one more episode in our resurrection series and have uh Friz- what's not for not Frizzell. Frizzell? Yeah. Yeah, John John Frizzell? John Frizzell, yeah. Now yeah. thinking Jed Kurzel and John Frizzell. John Frizzell. Anyway, that'd be great. But yeah, so 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 you you do fundamentally like it other than the inclusion of the alien stuff. Yeah. And, and to be fair, that is the exact same problem I had with Spates' earlier drafts. I I think they worked and functioned a lot stronger is like a, a pre-alien um, kind of thing. You know, all the original creatures that were deliberately and very noticeably related to the alien through some fashion or another. Of course, in Spates' thing, it was completely different to the way that uh, Covenant takes it. But yeah, they were stronger without the alien in there because in both, the alien isn't given the time to be treated with respect. And I think that was time-wise when it came to Spates. But with Ridley, it's very much in his... There's a quote that one of the guys on our forums has on his signature, and I can never remember if it actually came from an interview, and I think it did, but it sums up, whether it does or not, it sums up what I feel like Ridley's attitude is towards the alien, and it's, they want aliens, I'll give them fucking aliens. <laughs> and You can feel that in the way that it's handled in, in Covenant, in, in, in my opinion. It sounds like a hot dog vendor at a baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that and that's something that we're going to talk about today a little bit is Ridley had no, uh, you know, he, he had no desire to include the alien yet. Like this was all going to be a backdoor entry into the first film. Right. And then and then with Prometheus, he heard the fans pretty loudly, you know, asking for more of an alien tie into it. You see, I don't know where that impression he comes from, though. That's what yeah. he said, though, over and over again. That's he what said, he it's, said. It's what, yeah. Yeah. That's what Fox said. That's yeah. never been the case. Ever. I, right. don't, I don't remember that outrage at all. I'm sure that's some entirely fabricated um, two guys walking down a corridor kind of over simplistic impression of perhaps what went on. But no, that was from from my memory. That was never, ever a complaint of this film, of Prometheus. So, yeah. Well, Although, what I think well, yeah. happens, though, is in these conversations and certainly when you get to movie or studio execs, oftentimes these people are surrounded by yes, men, bad news. And this happens in corporations too. bad news. When it reaches higher levels, it's spun to be like, well, you know, I think it's great. I think maybe perhaps this. So they're trying to get a spin on something. And I think, unfortunately, Prometheus was spun in a way that we were like, oh yeah, people wanted to see more of the alien. And I think that's how it got translated to, to 
Scott by the end of it, as opposed to actually the truth. See, I, I wonder a little bit because one of the early reports was that Fox didn't have a fucking clue what they were doing with Prometheus 2. You know, there was like, must have been a year or two where they were spinning wheels and just didn't know what direction they were going in with the film. And it doesn't seem to be until Michael Green came aboard. Uh, when was it? End of March 2014 was when, was, when, was when it was reported he came aboard. And they deliberately talked about returning it more towards Alien at that point. And that's when it actually seemed to get some traction because... I don't know. That that just seems to be the way it went when when it was like, let's go back towards Alien a little bit more is when it seemed to roll and they started to be able to bring something together. So I don't know. Maybe they just didn't know where to go with it from Prometheus. And I find that surprising. I find it surprising too, because Scott made such, here's the thing is that I, and I bring this up a lot is, is Ridley Scott is like the, if, if he's doing an interview, I'm always like, dodging for cover somewhere because he just says things that are always contradictory and infuriating to people, including myself. But if you, if, if we're looking at this, like you were saying earlier as a film archeology span study, right, Aaron, we have to go back to 2014, 2015 and see the sorts of things that he was talking about, you know, and the sorts of things that he was talking about back then, this is I'm, what I'm talking about specifically is pre Michael green coming on board while this was still a Prometheus two press tour kind of a situation, right. Was um, that he wanted to have this whole deeper dive into the origins of humanity vis-a-vis the engineers based on the question that Prometheus sought to answer, right? Which was who created the organism in the first movie? And then by extension, who created us? So it seems to me like he had, at least in some way, a really firm idea of what roadmap he wanted to hew to. And then you're both absolutely right. He starts talking about how audiences were clamoring for more of the alien. And I never met anybody who said that, including myself. I was like, okay, great. They didn't even call it alien. It's its own thing. We'll continue talking about Prometheus 2. The engineers were a hit with most people I know. And I, I thought they were freaking great. So like, I, I, was, I was also surprised by that and surprised now in 2021 to go back and read all these interviews where he's talking about how everybody was like, we need more alien. We need more alien. Of course, the other kind of kind of infuriating thing about this is that after Covenant came out, he did interviews, including one just like a month and a half ago for Variety, I think, where he talks about the how you know people wanted an alien. I gave him an alien and I made you know $200 million less at the box office. So like, who's, who's laughing now? Kind of a comment. And it seems like he, he has such a funny relationship with the ways in which people are precious with things that he helped introduce. So that's, that's something that I'm just continually amazed by. Mm, same and it, he forgets he was one part of a cog i think when it comes to the success of alien although you know it, it, it does i think there was one recent one where he was like yeah i looked out with um it was the god it was the dragons interview um where he referred to the alien as the absolute dragon uh, the definitive dragon sorry and he talked about looking out looking l-u-c Okay. In terms of meeting Giga and having him on for, for Alien. So, and then as well, you were saying, you know, Patrick, with um, him knowing where he was going, there were reports that a script of Prometheus 2 was was ready, was written, you know, and um, it was planned as a, as a, a two-parter back then. And this, there's so much course correction in what's gone on following Prometheus to some perceived 
problem that doesn't exist. And I think there was one point um, where Scott talks about having like 15 drafts done for Covenant or what would become Covenant. And it's it's madness. And it's that kind of intense, not knowing what they're doing, wheel spinning that I think, well, it's, 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 um, it doesn't help. It does not help at all. And, and you get this sort of ambling focus with Covenant when, you know, towards the end of it. And the whole beast is cook stuff. You know, that's that's becoming cyclical for him. <laughs> Says the same thing after Prometheus. We're getting back to that point now after Covenant. It's like, God, yes, we get it. You don't you don't like the alien anymore. You can't do anything interesting with it. He was saying that in 2013. Mm-hmm. It's been that's almost ridiculous. a fucking decade of this person saying the beast is cooked over and over again. It's like he's trying to prove it to people. But like, why then why return to it? You know? Well, I, I think to both of your points in terms of the translation between the translation from maybe people didn't respond positively to Prometheus to we need more aliens in covenant. There were discussions happening in articles between both films, certainly post Prometheus, the first couple of years where Scott was talking about the back door, going through the back door. And he mentioned Ripley's name. Like, you know, we maybe we would go into the back door right when Ripley gets on the ship. And of course, depending on who's listening to or who's reading that people might take that literally. So they think literal connection to alien and what's the connection to alien. And I feel like that, that um, statement, how does this connect to alien? Where's the alien connection? Literally that might be, where's the creature? Where's the creature as opposed to connecting to the film itself or the mythology, the established mythology itself. And there was a lot of talk about, again, that backdoor to alien. And that's where we're going to go. There was even, even covenant when towards the end or at the end, you know, there's David on the ship and, you know, he's got the people locked in cryo and everything is happening. And you have all of those colonists and the embryos. And it feels like, Maybe the next step is this becomes that big chamber or these people are eventually end up. Uh, that's not any supposition no. that I would give. I don't like that idea. I'm I, just saying that I could see him doing that. I fully expect that to be something he would consider a genius idea. Yeah. I, yeah. I've said, I've said it before. My, my big fear is that they end up being the cargo of the derelict. Yes. Yes. Same Absolutely. as um, same as I think you think it'd be a brilliant idea that David would end up as the um, the space jockey. Oh Lord! And, uh, that sounds so ridiculous. I want my I own baby. I want my I, that's own that's baby. when that's when I throw my towel in. How do uh, I have my own child? I'd like yeah. to procreate. <laughs> I also <laughs> love it. You know what it's it, all about. I've been so I've been rereading uh, Ian Nathan's tremendous Ridley Scott retrospective, which we uh, Jamie did an interview with him um, on the show last year. I know Aaron, you know the book well, and uh, there's a lot in there about Covenant that I I had forgotten about, and and one of them is Ridley is is so two things I wanted to mention from that book. One is that Ridley once again mentions this idea of David's frustration with being able to create sexually, and that that is driving a lot of these psychosexual themes in the movie about creation, which again to me super interesting. That's I think very fascinating themes. It really is very interesting. It doesn't mean it's dealt with, you know, perfectly throughout the movie, but it's very interesting. The other one though, going back to something that you were talking about just a few minutes ago, Jamie, uh, (laughs) about the creature being back, 
there's interviews with like Catherine Waterston in it and with Billy Crudup and with uh, Michael Fassbender. And they're all talking about the creature and about how like everybody keeps saying the creature's coming back. It's like really exciting. And it seems like that was like almost a hook to get the movie made was it's like, you know, okay, we're going to condense potentially five films into one, one movie for budget reasons, you know, and he came in under budget and under schedule. And we're going to uh, put an alien in it as a way to like attract audiences and kind of guarantee that it's going to make money because Prometheus at the time Covenant was made was perceived by Scott and company to have been kind of a middling success, you know, even though now looking back, it actually was quite financially successful. Um, it's, it's, inter- it's interesting. Aaron, you're shaking your head. No, it's not him. Oh. Yeah, but Prometheus was a success in, in terms of finance. You know, you can't, you can't argue with that. Yeah, I made a lot of money. What I don't like about uh, Scott when he talks about that is he'll compare the, the box office success or lack of for Covenant to Prometheus. And he goes, yeah, you see, I was right. And I'm like, dude, like, no, no. Like you're, you're maybe intentionally misinterpreting this, this information. Covenant mm-hmm. wasn't as a success or wasn't a failure because of the alien. It was a failure because it was confusing and everything that we've always talked about before. And that's, but I also feel like um, in the run-up to Covenant, inadvertently or maybe advertently, I'd feel, it felt like Scott was sabotaging the film to some degree with his comments, with the beast being cooked. Because, But there are parts in Covenant where the beast is amazing, where the alien is scary. And it's, fr- I mean, even that shower scene, which we all know is like come on ridiculous but when you see it there and it's opening its mouth that thing is fucking scary it's it's legitimately scary and there are other moments like that where the creature really is frightening and i love that i love those moments in the film um but i i think in in large part it's just much like aaron has said and you have said it's kind of all they're kind of all over the place i i don't the alien part is also my least favorite part and in terms of like the introduction of David is when I lose interest. It's true, but not because I don't like David. I love David. I think he's incredibly fascinating. Everything else, all these characters that we're learning about, all these characters that we're with, they just fall away. We stop the character development on them stops and it all becomes about David. And that's like, Oh, so it becomes a different film completely. Um, but it, it, it was curious to, watch the end of Prometheus and you see Shaw go up in that ship and say, I want to find out where they come from. They're setting up the second film. Absolutely. We know where it's going. We know where it's heading. It's exciting. Whether, whatever you feel about Prometheus, I think that last bit is those engineers were scary and she's going to go to their home world. And what a film that's going to be. And of course it ended up not being that film. Um, So I, it, it is curious and confusing to your point, Aaron, that, it seemed like they didn't know what they want to do when in fact they set it up. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it's, it's it's a strength but possibly also a weakness of prometheus because it i always said back then as much as the film frustrated me in certain ways it opened up the universe of alien a hell of a lot you know um for, for me 
the thing that drew me into the wider universe of Alien was was the space jockeys. You know, it was the non-alien with a capital A um, parts of the universe. It was the lowercase aliens. And Prometheus gave you even more than that, you know. Um, again, I, th- I think the script, did it. I think Spates did it a bit better um, in terms of his proto-aliens. But Prometheus as, as a film, you know, it gave loads of avenues of extra things to explore, you know, all this other stuff with the culture of of um, the engineers and how they had affected other things. When um, I know, I think Patrick, you've read this um, phalanx when phalanx was coming out and the lead up to that. Um, and one, one of the thoughts was, is this another seed race? Is that why this is medieval in space? Is this another engineer civilization that they've seeded um, kind of thing? And, when you've got too many options, maybe it was a struggle for them where to go, or maybe maybe even a budgetary thing. You know, we don't know a lot of about Covenant before that pivot. We don't. But the stuff that we have seen was Kang Lee, and I think Messing did one. I think Stephen Messing did one. We've seen some of their concept arts of the engineer locations, you know, these big Giga-esque cities. The beautiful, and- beautiful murals, yeah. And you have to wonder how much of that was, we can't afford this kind of stuff, you know, to the pivot, to, to the more, you know, stony kind of Roman-esque look. I, I, I wonder how much of that was them. Yeah, we're not going to spend that much money on an alien film. Come on, chill your bean, calm yourself down. Let's do something a bit more contained kind of thing, um, which would which is still a shame because I still want to see that city. I still want to see that landscape of... of genuine Giga-esque elements and, and hive uh, just going on into the distance and I'll, I'll never get it. I'll never get my boob um, hive. <laughs> boob hive. Well, the closest thing to that, in my opinion, and it was actually the first thing I thought when we saw it for the first time was the Harkonnen homeworld, Gady Prime and the Dune film, which mm-hmm. of course was influenced by Giger's work on, you know, the unfinished, the unrealized Dune project from Hodorowsky. But also I, I think aesthetically really reminds me a lot of that early Prometheus two art that was shown years ago. Um, and which still very much lives with me as something that I was really excited by, you know, Aaron, you're talking a lot about the space script and, you know, space is involved in Prometheus. Uh, for good reason, I, I, I agree that that script is better, and, and, and that's you know in, in my heart what Prometheus I think should have should have been. Uh, mm-hmm. But of course, Damon Lindelof is a huge, you know, unanswered vacuum question, which I would love to sort of talk to both of you about because you, uh, I think, were more you know both of you were more definitely plugged into online fandom at this point, you know, back in 2012, 2013, 2014. Uh, to me, what's interesting is I know they were approaching Lindelof to helm Prometheus 2 for a, for what seems like a long time. And he did interviews during this period where he was like, it'd be hard to say no to a Ridley Scott project again. You know, I got a lot of stuff going on, but it sounds pretty cool. And then he didn't do it. And I, I don't know why. I don't know what happened. So before I ask for your thoughts on that, I also want to just say that I'm really glad that he didn't because I think that Damon Lindelof made Prometheus a much worse film than it originally was. And also that I think the 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 more propulsive elements towards the end of Prometheus, right. Where it's like ends with a bang, you know, between the Deacon and between like the, like, let's go find them and all that stuff at the end of the movie. Uh, That's Lindelof putting his exclamation points on the script over and over again and making it feel more like almost like a James Bond franchise where it's like, now we can do anything. Right. Um, Which feels to me kind of out of the sensibility of alien and a little bit problematic. So I'm glad that he didn't continue in that sort of, you know, pulpy serialized, 
aesthetic that he was setting up for us. But I also wonder if having not having him around had some implications on why the story was changing a lot. So do either of you remember why he didn't do it? Was that ever said anywhere? I'll give that to Aaron to answer first. I can't remember him coming out and saying no for some reason. Um, I mean, the the reaction to his, especially with how well-documented Prometheus was as well in the end, you know, the reaction to his contributions to the film, he's, he's not massively well-liked in the fandom, let's be honest. Um, so I can't, I can't imagine if, if, the powers that be were claiming they were plugged into the response. Um, we'll give them fucking aliens. Um, if they were, if they was tuned into the fandom as they seemed to be putting across, you know, they would have seen that as well. But at that time, wouldn't he have been in the middle of Star Trek Into Darkness as well? Yes. Yeah. So they, they they were too busy ruining that. Um, <laughs> worst Star Trek film ever. Let's be honest. Um, so it might have been a work thing as well. For all I know, but no. But to um, your point, it's it was really the backlash in fandom, I would imagine. I mean, people pinned the failure of Prometheus on Lindelof more than Scott, more than anyone else. Even though Scott had, you know, he could he uh, he could approve or disapprove of scripts, but it got pinned on Lindelof over and over and over. But also, they had those sound bites from Lindelof in his interviews about. Well, is this an alien film? Kind of like being cagey about like what it is. Are you sure? Just kind of acting like we're stupid, essentially. And I think part of the script in my experience of fandom at that time and the experience of Prometheus in terms of the characters, it felt like a dumbing down of people. And that's exactly how Lindelof came up came off in interviews like he was talking down to you, like he was dumbing things down to you. And I think that became unforgivable. And I would imagine, I don't know, I would imagine Fox at the time saying, we're not doing this again. He, everyone hates him. We're not going to, you know, that's just my, I, my theory. It's just interesting because he was very bankable at that. I mean, he remains bankable to this day after Watchmen and everything. But but at the time, he was he was a big reason why Prometheus got people to theaters. I think people were like, "Oh, Damon Lindelof and Ridley Scott working on something together. Like, sign me up." Uh, and it's just it's, it's interesting. That point. Lost, I think. Yeah, wasn't it twenty eleven or twenty ten that it finished? It's a really long time ago. Earlier than that, I think. But it may then, have been earlier I mean, than that. It's like he said in some of the interviews, though. You know, Lost. I always joked and called it more like lost its appeal after season one. Um, <laughs> you know, lost, lost started taking shit towards the end as well. Didn't it? So okay. I don't know. I, his stick is, um, I think people are bored of it now. I think you're also right, think, but this is 10 years ago. Don't forget, but Jimmy, go ahead. At least. No, I was going to say, I also think writing for TV is a completely different animal than writing for a film. And, Lindelof had mostly been on television. It's not to say that he hasn't, he wasn't um, educated the same way people who go to film school are, are educated in terms of screenwriting and how you write a screenplay for film and how you write a screenplay for TV. But TV writing is a different beast entirely. You're setting up arcs over 10 episodes. And it's just, I mean, I don't know if you guys watch, well, for you, Aaron, would be American, like, broadcasting programming it sucks it's awful most of it it's it's just bad the writing is way like it's just way dumbed down it's it's 
it's they write for the masses so that everyone likes it and when you do that it's like going to olive garden it's just like you have sauce that tastes like nothing right and i think part of the issue with hiring writers for tv and i'm this is not a general statement but there is a translation issue where what you write for a tv show is not going to translate well for a film but alien is also unlike anything else because what does the studio want aaron knows this you know this they want fucking aliens that's what they want that's the success they're looking at so that's the the recipe that you're using to use patrick's favorite term um uh, yeah i and I, I i i mean we could go on and on about it but i i just think the whole setup there was really problematic I think you're right um well, let's do let's take a little archaeology break if we can i want to go back in time a little bit uh to 2012 so that was when as far as i can tell the first uh, you know idea of there being an actual script and development for what would become paradise lost was discussed in the press by ridley scott of course um and he was talking about it being extremely faithful to prometheus you know that it was going to be drifting farther away from the alien elements that people might have been expecting or that he or the studio were interpreting people wanted um, and, you know, focusing really primarily on the engineers and how they came to be who they were and what they were up to. Um, and then he was also in the context of that talking about an extended prequel series. So originally I think he said it was a trilogy and then it started adding more and more to it. But the idea would be that that prequel trilogy would be why Prometheus and now Paradise Lost were so far afield of Alien because he basically he was saying, give me room to develop these themes out a little bit and then I'll bring it back home again and I'll give you your fucking alien, which, by the way, is the title of this episode. I'm just going to say that right now because um, <laughs> it has to be. But uh, so so that was that that's back in 2012, late 2012, after Prometheus comes out Then fast forward a little bit to uh, September of 2015. And Scott does this deadline interview, which I'm just going to read a little bit of a, an excerpt from because it kind of sets up where his head was at the time, right? And then Aaron and Jamie can fill in some blanks about what's going on in the background during this. But in this deadline interview in September 2015, he says, quote, you can either say, leave the first film alone and jump ahead, but you can't because it ends on too specific a plot sentence as she, this is what we were talking about with Shaw, right? As she says, I want to go where they came from. I don't want to go back to where I came from. I thought the subtext of that film was a bit florid and grandiose, but which is funny because like it was his subtext, but it asks a good question. Who created us? I don't think we're here by accident. I find it otherwise hard to believe you and I are sitting here at this table because the molecular miracles that would have had to occur were in the trillions, blah, 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 blah. He says, he talks about 2001 and about, you know, the obelisk and how powerful that was for him. And he talks about leaps in evolution. And he says, he ends this part with, uh, you've got to go back and find those engineers and see what they are thinking. If engineers are the forerunners of us and therefore were creators of life forms in places that were possible for biology to function, who created that? Where's the big boy? So that's, that's Scott, unquote, in 2015. And then just about a month and a half after that, in late November of 2015, which now if we're thinking production timeline, we're coming up on the actual production of the film, right? Which was going to start later that spring and summer of 2016. So by this point, he starts talking, he does a little bit of backtracking because I'm sure somebody in the studio talked to him. They're like, ah, we should, 
maintain expectations a little bit. He talks about that this is going to be a trilogy, for one thing, not the five films, and that this is the second of three films. So there's going to be Prometheus, there's going to be Paradise Lost at the time, and then there was going to be another one, and then we're going to have the original movie. Uh, and he said that there could be a fourth one, but right now we don't really know. And then, of course, in December 2017, the you know franchise was bought by Disney and everything got thrown into a mix. And of course, then there's Awakening and we can talk about that on another episode at some point. But uh, that's kind of the trajectory of what Scott was talking about in the press. So initially, it was going to be this very large grand statement on the origins of humanity vis-a-vis the engineers. And then he kind of started tuning it down and focusing on this story that would link us to Alien. And then through that, gave us basically that, okay, there's going to be one more, which has not happened as of now. And that's sort of where we are at the moment. I'm fairly certain that a vanity interview was also when he he started course um, changing direction on the mention of aliens in regard to the the sequel. Have you got it up? Have you got the full thing up on you? Uh, I had the deadline, but I don't have the variety. Oh, uh, deadline, sorry, yeah. Because um, I, I took a little quote from mine talking about going back into the alien franchise and it being about the how and why of the aliens creation as well. So by that point, that was what, September 2015? So John Logan. So that John Logan had already come on and done two drafts that were what we, what would essentially become Covenant as we knew it. So at that point, they'd already gone, yep, okay, alien creation, David did it, that's what's happening. So there was, I think that was the first time he'd really started talking about it. And at that point, the film wasn't even called Alien. It was it was Paradise Lost, just Paradise Lost, right? While while it was going in the direction of the aliens' creation, um, up until that point, it had been what uh, nearly a year, nearly a year since he'd last I'd, I've got of him last speaking about it and, and giving it more of the beast is cooked kind of thing. I'll shoot myself if I see one more dragon. Um, <laughs> was was what he said. Uh, one more dragon in the script is what he said. So yeah, somewhere in between that year. You know, it, it, it became about that alien. And is- what you're saying, though, in there, Aaron, I don't want us to forget about is that Logan came aboard during that. And as we know from interviews with him, and we, we, should, we should get him on the show, too. That'd be great. Uh, you know, he's talked quite a bit about how his priority was reorienting it toward the original movie thematically, because he was a huge fan of the original film and specifically the horror elements of the original film. And so for him, this was about, you know, as a fan of that first movie, bringing it back towards it. And then his script revisions and his new new story angles, I think brought it back closer to that for better or for worse. I think from what I remember of the reporting of, of him coming on, it, it was talk of really leaning into the poem as well was his main- The um, Milton, right? Yeah. Yeah, was it, it was his main thing. Because before him, it was Dante Harper, who hasn't spoke much about it, but from what I've seen of his interviews, you know, a lot of the elements were already there as well. You know, things like the whole David stuff, um, because they'd been talk of, they'd been talk of the multiple Davids and the alien creation. Where's that? Around September, 2014 as well. So I'd, I'd love, it's a shame that Charles didn't get to work on this one. And, this isn't as well documented as as Prometheus because there's a lot here that we just we quite frankly don't know about. And and Dante was supposed to actually come on our show 
a thousand years ago and he'd agreed to come on and talk about it, but he ended up ghosting me and that never happened. We've never so, experienced that before. <laughs> I, I'm sure you haven't. It's funny because yeah. as you're saying that, I'm thinking of Michael Green, who I'm not, not bad mouthing, but somebody who has almost come on about nine times at this point yeah. and never has. Every time. Yeah. Oh, I'll didn't do you, it. Didn't, didn't you have him on for Blade Runner? No. No, we I had. Um, but there's an elephant in the room here. We're talking about the transition between Prometheus and Covenant and kind of what happened. What, where did the films come? What, what did this film become? The sequel that we thought might have been Paradise Lost. There's, there's something huge that happened before the production of Covenant started, which in my supposition, in my, in my, my theory is what happened in February of 2015 changed the course of what Covenant would be. And what was that? The, the dropping of conceptual design art from Neil Blomkamp, <laughs> from Blomkamp about what alien, what his, whatever his film ended up not being um, would be. And what, but what did that do? It sent fandom into a tizzy, the best kind of tizzy. People were really excited. What is this? What's going on? Oh my God. It's Neil Blomkamp. He was still riding off the high of, of, District nine. Yes. He's had some misfires, but he was still like viable at this time to some degree. Yeah, and he's dropping these conceptual designs of, of Newt, of Ripley, of Hicks, all of the things that are like touching the best parts of us in fandom. Right. And it's just gaining momentum and gaining momentum. And that's all people in my experience. I don't know about you, Aaron. I would imagine it was the same in yeah. my experience in fandom. That's all everyone's talking about is Blomkamp's film. That's, no one's talking about Covenant at this point. And then it's given the green light, supposedly. I mean, I don't know exactly what what was going on there. Aaron might know more. Um, it was given the green light. And so that's what every, oh, my God, Ripley's coming back. Oh, my. I mean, it was like uh, it was like a community-wide orgasm happening, what, what this film could be. And then all of a sudden, Covenant takes a turn. Blomkamp's film is essentially, oh, we're going to pause this and wait until um, Ridley Scott does what he does, and then it kind of trails off into the into the ether. It doesn't ever happen, but we think it's happening. Even though we, we find out it's on pause, we think we're going to see Ripley. We're not sure what they're going to do with Alien 3, but that is really shaping the narrative of what Phantom is expecting. In my opinion, I think Fox was like, look at they want aliens. They want aliens. Let's give them aliens. And that to me would make sense as the fundamental change between what Scott was wanting to do. And then you have fandom and the internet erupting at seeing an, an older Ripley an older newt that, that nuclear family that we all love from aliens coming back to the films to kick some ass. And I think it just pulled the rug right under covenant and they had to, come up with something new and they did and it didn't work there that's my i think that's, that's an think. extremely good point jamie that for some reason i had forgotten to even consider because i'm remembering now in fandom back then what a whiplash moment that was when the blomkamp stuff was all anybody was talking about and then it was like it's not happening but really scott's back again and that and that that first deadline interview that I'm reading that I was reading earlier happened just months after that, right? That's September of 2015. So it's probably not coincidental that the February 
um, leaking of the Blomkamp news coincided with John Logan coming on board. He, that was basically the same exact time period. And Logan, I'm sure, was you know refining the script closer to something more you know Zeno intensive because of that. Aaron, what do you think? I, I'd forgot about the Blomkamp stuff as well, but yeah, I, I actually I, I think you're you spot on there um, because everybody was so fucking excited. I mean, we had the little we had like what two or three pictures around the New Year in January. Mm-hmm. And then a nice dump. And then was it March? I think they greenlit it, or was it? Was it? February? Yeah, it was like that was February yeah. because because by July first, it was pause. I think. But by the July first August. episode, first episode of Perfect Organism was my thirtieth birthday, and that was March tenth of twenty fifteen. And you were talking about that news on that yeah. episode. Well, that's what gave birth to Perfect Organism was yeah that news. I had never been more excited about Alien as I had ever been hearing that news. Honestly. Mm. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, and, and it, it would, <laughs> it might contribute towards um, Ridley's seemingly spiteful attitude towards the alien as well, um, especially with like you know like some of the comments from Blumkamp of uh, yeah, then Ridley came on board and it yeah stopped. Do you remember those interviews? And he was like so weird about it because he you could tell that he was like gag ordered to not you know, say anything truly bad about Ridley Scott, but also he was like so upset. And again, I'm glad you brought that up, Jamie, because it it, it also alludes to other things that I'm sure will be the focus of a lot of episodes in this series. But there was a time then where there was so much animosity about the Blomkamp project not happening that that carried all the way through Covenant coming out in fandom. And you had a lot of people who saw Covenant as a rebuke to what Blomkamp was trying to do. And what Blomkamp was trying to do was was very popular at the time. Because look, I mean, even just go back to world events in 2015, 2016, like that is a freaking intense time. Not quite 2020 level, but it was a very stressful time in a lot of countries represented on the podcast tonight, but also a lot of, you know, there was famine, there was a lot of, you know, conflict going on. People were really stressed out and they were looking for comfort food, similar to the sort of, you know, the the incredible success of the MCU. A lot of that comes from people needing things that feel comforting to them and feel like narratives where the hero gets, you know, gets his worth and people end up okay. And the Blomkamp movie was the ultimate expression of that because it was saying not only are is the hero going to get her day, but she's going to come back from the dead and we're going to forget about the pain that we all went through in 1992. And we're going to pretend like it didn't happen. And we're going to give you drop ships. And we're going to give you all this technology that you loved as a little kid playing with your Kenner toys. And we're going to make you feel really good again. And, uh, and it felt like such a caress of love from, you know, and again, this is coming from somebody who hates that project and is, and is extremely glad that it never happened. But I'm saying it honestly, but and the way at the time, the way it hit me was like, oh my God, this is incredible. Right. And then I started thinking more about it and I got mm-hmm. more put off. But there was a time where I was also writing that goodwill for a while. And then I remember that feeling when Covenant, when which I don't think was, I think at that point was still not titled Covenant yet. Maybe it was in 20, no, this was 26, it was, 2015. It was, so no. November 2015, I think it was not uh, Covenant. Right. Yeah, it the so, tail end because it was Paradise Lost up until the tail end of maybe 2015. I don't yeah, really, it was, tw- I, it was I feel at like some it point was later than 2015, but I don't know. Well, the advertising came out in 2016 with the logo and all that yeah, stuff. It, it was so it was it was November 15. Okay. Yeah. So, but I remember like Paradise Lost being this really divisive thing. And also it was no longer Prometheus 2. So everybody was always already kind of pissed and they were confused about it. And and it felt like Ridley Scott sort of stamping his foot down and being like, this belongs to me. Of course, with anything, when you have one person who was responsible for one part of something a long time ago, say this belongs to me, you're going to get people saying like, fuck you, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to all of us, right? It belongs to history. 
Um, so I think people were kind of upset about what happened to the Blomkamp movie. They were upset that really Scott was trying to take ownership of this whole thing. And then they were upset when the movie came out and it was just as divisive, if not more than, and I think it was actually more divisive than Prometheus. Whereas the studio narrative was, we're going to do something that will unite fans. That was what the studio wanted. They, they thought Prometheus was a divisive movie. And they thought we're going to do something that will speak to the Prometheus fans and to the classic alien fans. And it's going to have a dropship in it of a different kind. And it's going to have a lot of the score from the first movie in it. It's going to feel like it's part of a whole, but what it ended up feeling like was it was even more disjunct than ever. And so the things in it that spoke to people spoke very powerfully, but they spoke in wildly different ways to different people. And I think that what we see with the legacy of alien covenant is the legacy of the fractious way in which this franchise has been treated and how hard it has been for us all to deal with that. I'd, I kind of wish Ridley had just been left to do his own Prometheus tangent. But then again, I, I, I wasn't last, you know, I lie. I was super excited for Blumkamp's thing when it was announced because who wouldn't be, who wouldn't be, you know, Michael Bean back, Sigourney back. I'm assuming the recasting Carrie Han and, um, you know, all the pulse rifles and the clone Marines and Ura to ashes. It was exciting, but the melding of everything in a response to the response, Prometheus, uh, Prometheus Covenant was, was worse off for it. It, it really was. It, it, it doesn't feel quite as disjointed as perhaps, well, no, that's, that's unfair to say. Prometheus wasn't disjointed. It was convoluted. Um, whereas Covenant is almost three different movies wrapped into one. Um, so, yeah. It, it, it goes to show, again, studio thinking isn't, isn't great <laughs> they never know what we want and quite frankly we never know what we want but all we all we know is it's not what it's not what the studios give us but i think it, at the heart of it we do know what we want we want something to believe in we want something to you know to pump our fists at to go yeah that's like to all be in unison together and to love and it's up to them to figure out well what does that mean and i think for us and I can say us in terms of fandom, meaning it's character. It's, you know, that's, that's at the heart of it. That's at the heart of why we love um, Hicks and Ripley and all of our favorites. Um, that's what we want. But I think if you're going to look in groups and find out what are fans talking about, what they love, you're not going to find it. You're not going to, because they're all over the place. But I really think to your point, Patrick, it's really true. I mean, they were, Blomkamp was speaking the language, like the heart language of fans. And like, I think at that point, there's been, there had been so much disappointment that people were like, just give me something that I can love. Just give me, I don't, you know, people are almost like, I don't really even care. And I was like this too, for sure. For I was on board Blomkamp for a long time before I realized this isn't a good thing. And I'm glad it didn't happen only because the only thing that really gives me the most pleasure is the original trilogy and it's not because it's the original trilogy but because it has the best character building and i think as we even go forward now even though i know we're talking about covenant the elephant in the room will always be blomkamp's film didn't get made and people are still pissed at that they're still really pissed at that and i don't know if ridley scott could actually overcome that as a director i don't know if he could make another film in the alien universe that would unless it was just amazing, which I doubt um, that would overcome the, 
the wide gap between what happened between Covenant or Prometheus and Covenant and Blomkamp and all that. People are hurt by that. Even though it was probably it probably would not have been good. People are hurt by that. They wanted something really amazing. And now 20th century slash Disney is in an even harder spot. Maybe the Hulu series will answer that, hopefully. Um, but yeah, that's that's a tough one. Well, it's for two of us, the middle of our workday. So I, we do unfortunately have to wrap this. Um, but before we do, uh, I just want to invite everybody listening to this to give us your thoughts on this and on this situation. Why did things change so abruptly? Was it the Blomkamp project? Was it some other confluence of things? Uh, were people in your circles similar? Were, were like, I, I guess what I would love to know is you're, you're talking to three alien obsessive people who are like, surrounded by this all the time on this podcast right now but like i'm sure that our little bubble is very different from most of the film going public around the world and i'm wondering like did people in your friend groups who weren't as into it as you might be listening to this were they upset about the lack of an alien in prometheus were they did they were they clamoring for that uh what was your personal experience like coming out of prometheus and going into covenant and um you know like let, let us know uh, you know in the comments of this episode when it posts on social media or by sending us an email to, you know, perfect organism uh, podcast at gmail.com and uh, let us know. Cause we'd love to read some of those responses. I think it'd be fun to get some more voices in here on that. Cause it's honestly, you know, becoming lost to history as Aaron was saying, you know, the run up to Prometheus and especially the aftermath of Prometheus, it's all very well documented by Charles de Lazarica and by his incredible documentary. That's the Charles that he was alluding to earlier. Um, Furious gods. There, there is nothing like that for Covenant. You know, we have the art book and we have some other behind the scenes resources on it. We have some pretty anemic special features on the Blu-ray, the masterclass things, right? But we don't have like the definitive account of what happened, especially back in 2012 to 2015. And that's something that maybe throughout the series, we can revisit a little bit and try to get more information, try to talk to people who might've been there, try to get some more voices from the creative team into this, because it's something that I think needs to be archeologized before it's gone to the sands of time, you know, that's definitely not a verb. I think there's some hesitancy on people's parts to talk about those ideas, primarily because it's a, well, Ridley might go there. So I don't want to be the one to spoil this Um, because that was, that was the same kind of things I ran into trying to talk to people or trying to talk to Alan Dean Foster, for example, you know, there's a point where everybody was like, Oh, his prequel is going to be about Shaw and David and what happened in between the films and stuff like that. So there, there was a hesitancy there to talk about that just in case, which makes it difficult to find out more about this film. But hopefully, hopefully you guys can talk to the guys that ghosted my ass and um, we'll, <laughs> we'll find some stuff out. <laughs> Thank you for being here, Aaron. I really appreciate it. No worries. It's always a pleasure to come on, especially when I don't have to edit these things. For more on Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please visit perfectorganism.com. Perfect Organism is available for listen or download through Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you'd like to support the show, please visit perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.